Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number four of the Scott Kikoni Leadership Podcast. I am Scott Kikoni, and I want to thank you for being with me on this episode. If you haven't had a chance, please go back and listen to the first three episodes. Uh, those ones aren't very long. They are just kind of an introduction on my thought when it comes to leadership as, in general and where I think leadership could be. This is going to be one of those episodes as well. Based off some of the research that I've done, I have some numbers to back up my thoughts as to why feedback and building your team is so important. So I'm going to bring out those numbers here in just a minute. I want to start by focusing on the lack of succession. What I mean by succession is having a member or multiple members of your team being able to eventually take over your position. You are actually sitting with them at a time when you can both be there and a lot of time. So it's actually made sure that it's in the schedule so that they can understand what it is that you do and how you do it. Now, the reason this is important is because if you, as the leader, ever want to move to a different role, let's say a higher role, and you want to be a manager of a bigger department, you're going to need to develop those skills as well. So as much as you're developing your team, you should also be getting developed. But I've seen it time and time and time again, where we have leaders that just don't believe in succession. They believe that it's my position. Nobody else can have it. They're holding on to it. Right. And nobody else can have it. What usually comes out of that though, is you are so valuable in that position that you can't move up. They cannot afford to move you to the next position that you want. So it is very important for yourself. If we think of this just as a selfish thing for just a minute, although it's not meant to be selfish, and I'll talk about that here in just a second, but if we look at it just as a selfish way of thinking, in order for you as a leader to take that next level, you have to teach your team how to do it, what it is you're doing. That's one aspect. The other aspect is people in any position, doesn't matter which one I've been in or seen or worked with, somebody in every position wants to feel like there's a promotion, there's a progression, I can move somewhere, I can do better. A lot of people will take a position as an entry-level position with that knowledge. But then there's never usually that transition. They usually keep that person in that position unless that person's willing to do the work to move, which a lot of people aren't. <clears throat> so they, they put that person in the position, they leave them there, and then that person doesn't feel recognized. That person doesn't feel like they have anywhere to go. They didn't lie to you in the interview, especially if it was us as leaders who are giving them that feedback to basically say, oh, yeah, you can move on. There's a lot of promotion here. Uh, we have a big company. You can move anywhere you want. And then they go there and they're in the same position for five years. And we wonder why they're getting disgruntled. Why they feel like they're being held back because they are. They are. So I think that succession is not only motivating for us as leaders, because then we have the ability to go to a bigger, better job, but we also have the ability to inspire our team, help them grow. Because when we help them grow as individuals, we in turn help them grow as a team. When we help them grow as a team, they're going to help other people, whether it be our customers, our 
uh, people they may be looking over, right? For example, if you're a teacher and you don't feel appreciated by your boss, in this case, we'll say principal, um, the way you teach those kids and set them up for their future is going to look dramatically different than what it would look like if I, as a teacher, feel like I'm taking the steps I need to to get to where I need to be. So I want to make sure that we start by talking about this important factor of succession. Now, one area that I think is, is rather interesting, and it is kind of to the detriment of basically what this podcast is about. What I mean is 70 or most companies put most of their money when it comes to training, specifically training, puts most of their money into leadership development. I'm going to say that again. Most companies put the majority of their budget into leadership development every year. Now, this is could be pre-COVID, where we'll see what this comes out as after COVID. But uh, the amazing stat with that, though, is that 71% of people feel like leadership is lacking. So how can we, as companies, put so much money into leadership development? How can we take so much of our budget that we could use elsewhere, put it into leadership development, and yet almost three quarters of the people at our companies feel like there is some level of leadership that is important that don't know what they're doing. How can that be? It's because we're not getting the right type of leadership. Now, am I saying I'm the right type of leadership? I'll let you decide that. Every, excuse me, every company is gonna be a little bit different. I have my experiences, I have my knowledge, I have my ability to help progress people as leaders and, and uh, develop my, uh, my teams. So is my way the best way? Again, I'll let you decide. Probably not for everybody. If I'm going to be completely honest, I know that the way that I lead may not work in certain scenarios. For example, I may not be a good leader in the military. When it's life and death and you have to make a decision, I may not be the strongest leader in that moment. I can make decisions. There are little bits of me that go, well, is that going to be popular? How am I going to sell that? In the military, you you don't have that time. You're dealing with somebody's life here and now. It has to be direct. And I'll be honest, that's not my leadership. I learn a lot from that type of leadership. And if you haven't read the book, uh, Simon Sinek's Why Leaders Eat Last, I highly recommend getting that one. And you can actually hear about his experience in the military. Now, without taking away too much of the book because it's such a good book, um, he basically goes into the details of you are fighting because he's the military. You are fighting with people who are literally putting their lives on the line for you. And you are literally putting your life on the line for them. So it's not so much of a coworker relationship as much as it is a brothership, a brotherhood or a sisterhood. Disregard the brothership. Um, a brotherhood or a sisterhood. And with that, you are covering that person's back. You've got their back to no end. Uh, so much so, he gives an, 
an example in one of the speeches I saw on YouTube where the leaders always took a step back when it was time to eat lunch, supper, whatever, and let all of the frontline, the, the people eat first. They, they filled up all their plates, felt like they needed, got everything they needed to, to be able to carry on the day. And by the time the leader of that unit was ready to go get his food, there was no food left. And he knew that going in. He knew that going in. And of course, Simon Sinek tells it better because he was actually there to see it. I'm paraphrasing a little bit from what I remember of the video. But the point is, he, even though he knew he may not get some food out of this, let his team eat first, get their food first. He, in turn, had no food to have. It was all taken. What ended up happening was very, very enlightening because his team, seeing that he actually had no food to choose from, started putting a plate from their plates together to give him something to eat. This is what I mean about the difference between coworkers or colleagues and a brotherhood or sister. And um, you're literally looking out for everybody. And as leaders, this is what we need to do. Yeah, the military is going to be a different environment than a corporate setting. I get that. I get that. But if we have the mentality to go in and say, here's what we need to do to make our people feel special. And it starts, I believe it starts with feedback and then seeing where it is they want to go and helping that person take the steps to get there. Yes, they may leave your team. And that may hurt because they're such a good employee. They're such a hard worker. If, but if you're willing to show that you are able to help them progress, they will bring you with them or they will never forget it. And they will, it will help you down the line, believe me. It may not look like it right now. You just have to do it in trust, right? There's the whole thing about having faith and things grow rich. You have to do this and then have faith that it's gonna happen. I don't know if you're religious or not. I believe in God. I have been reading a lot into faith lately. But even if you're not, and you read Think and Grow Rich, which again is another book that I highly recommend studying, not just reading, study, because I've read that book uh, over and over and over again. You can find it online free. And I've actually read and studied it over and over, and it actually talks about faith, putting it into action and having faith that it will actually work out. Another really cool story that I heard, and this was from Zig Ziglar way back in the day. This is, I think the speech was from like the late 90s. But he was talking a lot about a football coach from, uh, I believe it was Texas, and it was college football. And what was really, really cool about this story is he was a head coach for a college football team, which most people want to progress off of the NHL, or NFL, I'm sorry. He had no intention of going to the NFL. What his plan was, from the get-go was to bring on assistant coaches and develop them, which is what I believe we should do as leadership, develop them to the point where they became NFL coaches. So what ended up happening? Again, they brought on these assistant coaches, they trained them, they, they built them, they got them prepared, and then almost everybody that he trained ended up becoming an NFL coach in one way or another, head coach in one way or another. Now, that in itself is really cool to hear. What follows that is even cooler. 
because as a leader, what he did was he brought on these people who he believed could be NFL coaches and who were willing to work with them to get them to where they needed to be. But because these people knew people, they were also bringing on the best linebackers, the best receivers, the best quarterbacks. So he was getting this built team, the stacked team. And his whole purpose in doing this was to help other people grow. That was it. Just to help other people grow. And by helping other people grow, he built a football team that won, I don't even know, I can't even remember the amount of state championships they won. But his whole purpose, and if we go back to the basic of it, the base of his purpose was to help other people grow. This is critical in leadership. And I, I can't stress this enough because I believe it is an area that is lacking. So many leaders in the world right now, for lack of a better term, believe in being selfish. What's in it for me? How can I progress? How can I do better? There is such a lack of how can I build my team? How can I help others build? It's not the best way to do it. And that's what I'm hoping we get from these podcasts. And this is what eventually, if you think I can help, please reach out to me. This is what I'm hoping I can do to help you build your team. Now, what comes out of this, and I'm just going to look at my phone here because I have the stats on my phone, is that there was a study done. Now, this is from uh, the business section. Uh, It's a newsletter from LinkedIn.com. So it's an incredible source. And there was a number of people surveyed. And 75% of them, I'm going to start with this stat, 75% of the respondents believe that feedback is valuable. Okay, I'm going to start there. Okay, 75% believe feedback is valuable. 45% of the respondents also value feedback from their peers, clients, or customers. So that's interesting. We always think, and I've, I've been in this position, actually I'm somewhat in this position now, where I'm going through all these scenarios in my head of how I believe a conversation could go. How if I were to actually go to somebody and say, we need to fix something, how I think they're going to take it. So I'm okay, well, how can I reword that? What, what if I attack it from this angle? And what, what, right? And I'm going through all these scenarios in my head. 45% of the respondents who took this, the survey said that they would like to get feedback from their peers, their clients, their customers, their leaders, if done properly. of that 45 that it's not happening. That is not happening. Now, that could be a number of different reasons. Probably, first and foremost, the one that I've seen the most and the one that I've had to deal with the most is fear of confrontation. What if I say something, it doesn't go over right, I don't say it right, you know, it goes down to even to a point of what if they hate me, right? And that actually stops a lot of people from giving feedback, myself included. Keep in mind, and this is where I've had to do a big mental shift, you're not doing it to them, you're doing it for them. They may not be able to see it because they may have blinders on, they're focused on one way, and they may not be able to see what's around them. But you are actually helping them progress. Does that mean 
that the way we're doing feedback may be the best, I'm going to probably lean on the side of no. There's probably something we can do to make it better. Okay, so 75% of the people said that they want feedback, 45% said that they want feedback from peers, clients, or customers, and 30% said they're not receiving it. Uh, so why is this so important? Okay, we're gonna talk about, again, from this, this uh, newsletter that I have here, and I'll post it in the, in the description, whether you're looking at this on YouTube or on the podcast, however you're, however you're getting this, uh, just look in the description or the show notes and I'll be able to uh, post this link. So, managers who give and receive feedback on their strengths, which is a positive. Again, I've said in previous episodes, we need to give feedback as much, if not more, on positivity than we do on negativity. So managers who give and receive feedback on their strengths are show 8.9% greater profitability. That's right. We tend to be so focused. I've seen so many companies focused on the bottom line. How can I squeeze more money out of this? And I believe that we're looking at it the wrong way. I believe we're looking at how much can I charge? How should I raise the fee? Should I, should I, um, well, it's costing me more to buy that food. And so I have to sell it for more. I get that, right? That's always going to be part of the game. But if we actually take a look at what we can control as well, because we may not be able to control how much it costs to actually buy a product before we sell it, but we can actually control what's internal. And again, with this one step, just one so far, managers who receive feedback on their strengths are 8.9% improved on profitability. And we have the ability to affect that. We're so worried about where we're gonna find the money. It's right there. It is right there. And it's right under our nose and we tend to overlook it. So if we can actually focus on that, that's huge. Now, uh, this was done by a website called Gallup, G-A-L-L-U-P. Again, if you want to check out this newsletter, it actually has a link for it. They surveyed over 65,000 employees. And that's where they got these numbers from. So they actually surveyed over 65,000 employees. Um, and when somebody was given feedback on positivity, on their strengths, as well as their weaknesses, there was 15% lower turnover. It actually wanted, made people want to stay with that company. This is why I want to try and focus so much on not only the constructive feedback to help somebody improve if they're doing something wrong, but we really need to promote what they're doing right. The numbers are here. Right, I'm focused on the strengths. Not only does it bring up profitability, but we have less turnover, which in turn means less money for training, less money to do the interview process, to hire. All of that, we can allocate that money somewhere else. And it's strictly because we went up and actually had a meeting and said, you know what, you did a really good job. I just want to thank you for everything you do. 
I think you're really good with the people that come into this office and they always have a smile when they leave. Just simple, simple. Now, if you want to get more technical, and I've said this in previous episodes, you actually call them in for the same type of meeting that you're having if you want to give negative feedback. You set up a 15-minute meeting, however long you want to do it. Set it up in the same way, put it into their schedule and say, I want to have a meeting with you at 10 o'clock this morning and I want to give you some feedback. Now, initially, they're probably going to be like, okay, what did I want? Because that's where the world is taking us. Most people who get called into a meeting like that are like, oh, I'm in trouble. What did I do? I've been there. Absolutely have been there more than I have not. Because you're like, okay, what did I do or what didn't I do? So if we call this person into a 15-minute meeting and we say, I just want to thank you. You've identified an area of our process that I think has been, that has been now old fashioned and we can actually utilize it. We're going to save money for it. I personally, I just wanted to call you in and thank you for doing that. How many more times just having that conversation? And I just pulled that out of nowhere. But if I, but if you heard that as the employee, how many more places are you going to go through the process to see where you can eliminate the waste? That is extremely powerful. And it only took two seconds. We need to start doing the positive feedback. Okay. Now, um, the next step that I want to talk about is 69%, and this is from the same news article, 69% of employees say they would have worked harder if they felt their efforts were more recognized. We have an interview with somebody, let's say, and we expect as soon as they start this job, let's say that we feel that they are eligible for the job. And I've heard Eric Thomas say this, so I'm not coming up with this one on my own, but it's a really good idea for just getting it in our head. We have somebody come in and we expect them to give 100%. In fact, I think there's some of us that expect 120%, even though that's not possible. But we're like, okay, we need you to give everything you got into this job and most people do for the beginning most people go into it and they're like okay i am going to give my all here i go what do i do what do i do so much so that they're tired by the time they go home to their family they're giving everything they have for us at our job that they can't even they have no energy left for their kids to play with their kids they're mustering up whatever energy they have just to play with them so keeping that in mind, if we don't tell them that their efforts are appreciated, all of a sudden we get 70%. We get 50% of their effort. And then we wonder why they're not performing. Here's the problem. And this kind of goes back not to the last episode I did, but episode number two. It's our fault. And I know that's hard to hear. Right? But it just kind of puts it all full circle that if I would have stopped somebody mid-walk, I'm going to get a drink of water, a cup of coffee, whatever the case may be, and I stop them and I say, you know what, it doesn't have to be formal, but it could be if you want to, and you say, you know what, I know that you rocked that presentation the other day, thank you, I can't thank you enough, this, this, this is a game changer for us, and it wouldn't have happened without you. Uh, thank you, right, and then all of a sudden the conversation is different. Now, 69%, it says right here, 69% of people feel like they would actually work more and work harder 
if they've felt more recognized. This next one, I actually feel is a little bit interesting. Uh, so I'm just gonna read it the way it says. 92% of respondents agree that assertion or negative redirecting of feedback, if delivered appropriately, is effective at improving performance. A lot of us think that if I give negative feedback, it's just gonna be a battle. And again, it kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, the negative reinforcement, is it gonna come across negative? And is it confrontation, fear of confrontation? If done appropriately and correctly, can actually improve performance. I just wanna go back a little bit though and reiterate that we cannot just focus on the negative. Because after a while, that 92% is gonna go, really, that's all I'm doing? That's all I'm doing is wrong things? What about all the good stuff I do? I'm not recognized for any of that stuff. Right? And, and this is where it's, it's a slippery slope because we have to focus on doing more positive feedback than negative because positive is harder to get in. When we, when we do positive feedback, people tend to just play it off. Naturally, they're just like, yeah, okay, I, I get it, but what about my, my weaknesses? And that's just where the human brain takes it. So we actually have to do more positive. If you're not doing that positive feedback, you will get the pushback over time with the negative. So we have to do both, have to, have to, have to. Now, 80% um, of Gen Y, and this is a very interesting stat because uh, I, I read somewhere that 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day. 48% of the workforce in 2020, which is when I'm recording this, is millennials. So that means that the remainder of that is gonna be Gen X, Gen Y, and the remaining baby boomers. So 80% of Gen Y say they prefer on-the-spot recognition over formal reviews. So this is where, as leaders, we actually have to adapt. And John C. Maxwell talks about this in his podcast of being adaptable, not only to the environment. I mean, especially right now, we're in the middle of COVID, we're in the middle of a pandemic where people are freaking out in general. So we, in turn, may have to attack a scenario differently than what we normally would because they're already anxious. And uh, we, if it comes across the wrong way, it's going to be taken way out of proportion. And that's just because of the scenario. So we have to adapt to this, the situation that we're facing, but we also have to adapt to the people. Some people prefer, hey, John, I just want to make sure that you know, I thank you for everything. And especially if it's done in front of a bunch of people, that's probably going to boost John up. But there are some people where they'd be like, really? Really? He had to tell me here? Why, why is he telling me here? And with that, they may not want to perform like that anymore because they feel embarrassed. So we as leaders, we have to adapt, not only the situation, especially right now with COVID, but also with how our people prefer to get that recognition. So keep that in mind as well. And uh, a lot of it could actually come down to how you give feedback. Because if in my previous episode, episode number three, I talked about the personality test that really changed my game when I became a leader. And it was identifying what my personality style is and in turn seeing it in others and then adapting how I give that feedback, both good and bad. So again, if you haven't watched that, 
uh, or listen to that, please go back and do it. Uh, the website that I was talking about is actually in the show notes. Okay, and the last thing it says here, and this, this one may be hard for a lot of us to hear because it's what we've, what we've always just done. And I can actually talk from experience in this where it says 77% of HR executives believe that performance reviews aren't an accurate representation of employee performance. When we take a look at these reviews, these yearly reviews, I think we can all agree we like reviewing them as much as our employees, our people, our team likes writing them out. I think we can agree on that. I know from personal experience, I never enjoy them. I never enjoy them. Uh, part of it was I, I always struggled even to understand the program in general. I always under, I always struggled to understand the purpose of it. Because to me, if I'm going to do a performance review, especially with somebody who I'm uh, using a military term again, in the trenches with, has to now give me feedback on something I am or am not doing, even though they've seen me do it. It just, it's not effective. It's not effective. And it doesn't serve, I think, the purpose that we're trying to get. Because if we look at the overall purpose, I, from my understanding, now yours may be a little bit different than any of them I've done, but from my understanding, when we do these performance reviews, we're doing them in a couple for a couple different reasons. One, we want to make sure that our team is on track. But what they're on track to is the overall goal of the company or organization. The top team has a plan of what they want to see happen in the next year. And then it just goes down ladder, if you will, uh, until it reaches the front line to make sure that they're doing everything in their position that supports our goal or the executive team's goal. And although that is all well and good for the company, possibly, because as we're seeing here, 77% of the HR executives say that it's the point. It's actually not doing what it's meant to do. So although there is a potential of it doing what it needs to do, as an employee, and again, I'm putting myself in that position. I'm not talking about anything else. I'm putting myself in this position. I never felt like this was actually developing. Yeah, I was building the company and that, that felt pretty cool. Well, you have, I ended up starting to look at it and saying, okay, but how am I growing? You know, I've done some stuff outside of work and, and all that kind of stuff to get to where I am now. That was my initiative. But if I could have, say, attended a conference or got to know and network with some other leaders and figure out what they do better, what they do, or just figure out a company that's doing the same logistics that I am, right? Whether it be, I don't know, selling the same product. Um, and, and the example that I have with the airlines, right? Overall, what does an airline do? Get somebody from A to B. It's just, what's the person's experience from A to B? And if it's good, they're more than likely to go with that person. Some people are more than willing to go with that person, even if the price doesn't support them going with that company. Um, so again, when you're when you're talking about airlines and they their purpose is to go from A to B, 
what people are going to value that on is how am I treated? What is my experience from the time I book my flight to the time I get my bags? What's my experience from A to B and from beginning to end, traveling from A to B, possibly C if you're connecting. And if I have a really good experience across the board, then I'm more willing to come back. Same idea. So what I could do if I work for an airline, for example, is I can go to another airline and say, how do you guys do this? Whatever that is. IT, um, check-in, whatever. I'm just using it as an example. How do you do this? Especially if you're partnered with that airline. And they could say, well, we've, we've tried it a couple different ways. Here's the best way we've come to realize it because we've already done all of this research on the back end and we know it doesn't work. So then I can look at it and say, well, that's really cool. I can always come back now look at my process, see where I can implement different things, and then from there, help build the company even more. But I also feel like I'm developing it as well because I'm meeting other people, I'm learning from them, I'm developing, okay, I see you're a leader. How do you lead your team? I say, well, here's what I've learned to do. Because again, a lot of what we're doing, even what I'm talking about in this podcast, is done from mistakes. Mistakes I've made, things that have worked. Okay, that didn't work, let's try something else. Right? You don't get down on yourself, although a lot of people do. Um, you just, okay, that didn't work. On to the next thing. So this is how we can actually help our team. If I had my way, I'd get rid of all of the performance reviews. That's, I mean, that's me, but it is what it is. If we actually want our people to feel like they're being developed and have it help the company, we have to develop them from within. I fully, fully believe that. And it's not a performance review. It isn't a performance review. It's a one-on-one -on -one conversation maybe, or maybe it's a, a leader with their team. Okay, here's where the overall goal is for our team. I'd like to know what you can do personally to help you develop, therefore help us develop. Because if somebody comes back and says, I can do... I'm a, I'm a really good researcher. I can do all this stuff that might help our team build. Perfect. Do it. We've got to start thinking outside the box because this, what we're doing right now is so old school. And the process, there's so much waste. So much waste. There's so much better ways to do it. And this is what I want to do. I want to change it. Okay, so. How do I implement feedback in our company. And so there's three things that actually, some of which I've talked about, but it, it talks about three ways that I can start implementing feedback within our company or within our team. The first and foremost is we have to practice as much as this is uncomfortable. Um, we have to practice confrontation opportunity when possible. Sometimes they're not always possible. Sometimes we actually have to be strategic about it. We're not just going to confront one of our team members and have a conversation with them in front of the entire team. So we have to be a little bit strategic about it. But we have to actually have those awkward conversations. There's a term that I'm, I'm, I like to throw out, and I, I remind myself of it whenever I'm in these situations, especially recently because I was extremely anxious. And my wife actually reminded me of this, where she said, remember, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
And if we're uncomfortable giving this confrontation, confrontation conversation, I was trying to think of a different, uh, this confrontation opportunity, if we're uncomfortable in that, that's actually a good thing. Not only because it keeps us on our toes, but it also helps us grow. If you're uncomfortable, that means that you're growing. So take these confrontation moments as much as possible and utilize them. It could be something small. Hey guys, I noticed that the garbage isn't clean before we leave. Can we just make sure we clean the garbage? Thanks. It doesn't have to be huge. But I know people who would actually avoid even having that conversation. Because, well, it's just the garbage. And yeah, but it built. And if it's not known to the team that that's an expectation, they then have the expectation in their head. Okay, well, I don't have to worry about the garbage. And then it's something that just builds inside us. It makes us upset. And then we take it out on the team. It's a, it's a vicious circle. So take those confrontation opportunities whenever possible. Get uncomfortable. Be comfortable with getting uncomfortable. I guarantee that if done properly and if done enough, especially ones that have really been weighing on you, when you actually have those conversations and you know that everything is okay on the end, or you know that everything that you needed to get out is said, they may not be okay with it because it's not always going to happen, but you know that it didn't turn out as bad as you thought it would, for example, you feel so much better. There's such a weight lift off your shoulders. I actually have breathed better after that because it feels like there's a 10-pound weight on my chest. I'm like, just can't catch a deep breath, right? I get that off my chest. I tell the person who I need to talk to, what's going on. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It is. It's been bugging me for a little while. I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner. Yeah, I'll get right on it. Sorry, I, I just didn't even look at it. And something that's been bugging me for who even knows how long, was not even on that person's radar. So it just, it says so much. And then you're like, okay, I actually feel a lot better right now. So uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable and take advantage of those confrontation opportunities. The other thing that it says here is find a platform to designated for shortwave communications. Now what it means by that is we're so focused on technology that sometimes we can break the communication. And one of the things about me wanting to say text on one of these is it, seems, it can seem very impersonal. It, yes, it's quick. Yes, it gets the point across. Yes, sometimes if I'm in a meeting, the only thing I can do is text or email. But with anything that involves text, you don't get the tone. You get the words, but you don't get the tone. And without the tone, you may not get the entire concept of what is actually being said in the message. By having a one-on-one -on -one conversation is what I'm gonna deem it to mean when I hear the, the term shortwave communication. Having a one-on-one -on -one conversation is gonna be a whole lot better, especially in person. If you can do it in person, that's even better. Over the phone is a minimum. In person is even better. Having this type of conversation is actually what's going to land more than me just sending a quick text saying, oh, by the way, do you mind if we did it, whatever, right? it's not going to come across the same. And the last thing it says here, and I'm going to wrap it up here, is where it says, and I've, I, this is where I've said this before in a previous video, is we have to be willing and able to accept feedback. I know that's the last thing I'm saying, which is actually probably one of the most important things. 
But I know so many people who, and I'm guilty of this myself, in certain areas, we take such pride in what we're doing and how good we think we are that if somebody comes up and tries to correct us on that, we can't accept it. We just don't accept it. And that's very tough. That's extremely tough for some of us because we have spent so much time, so much effort, sometimes so much money trying to build what we have, trying to understand what it is we're doing. And we've built ourselves such a routine that just tends to work. And if somebody comes up and says, actually, this, this is going to work better, we dig our heels in. And we push back. We, no, 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 I've tried that. I try. It doesn't work. I've tried it many times. It's never worked for me. Therefore, I'm doing what I know. Well, that person's not going to come back to you. Not going to come back to you. Not going to give you any more feedback, especially if you get angry with them. And in turn, when you have to give them feedback, good or bad, they're not going to be in on it. They're not going to believe it. So please, please, please focus on accepting feedback. Again, it may be uncomfortable, but I want us to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And identifying your weak points. Saying, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I messed up there. Let me fix it. And if somebody hears that from our leader, then they're more willing to take their, their mistakes. I said in the previous uh, two episodes, ago, episode number two, so many times you hear people say, oh, I can't be my mistake. I'm perfect. I, I don't make mistakes, whether it be a person or a company, whatever. And if they would say, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. That's on me. Sorry about that. Let me fix it. Most people, most, there and then would be like, oh, okay then. And they're more willing to work with you. So accept feedback as much as we have to give feedback. Help our team build. Not only in the case of succession, where they can potentially take over your job if you had to move somewhere else, but also help them build themselves. Help them develop. Allow them to go to conferences if that's what they want to do. Put them in positions where they're going to be set up for success long term. As leaders, I think we owe it to Be willing to give that positive feedback more than the negative. If you have the time, and I think we should make the time, but if you have the time, set up those meetings like you would as if it's a negative feedback session and make it positive. Give it to them positive. And we start noticing, because the numbers are here online, we start noticing that the numbers back up what we're doing. Nine, uh, 8.9% increase in profitability, right? 69% of people wish that they were more recognized. 45% of people wish that they got feedback from their peers, their friends, their clients, wh whoever, right? Because it helps them build. By not doing this, we're actually not setting them up for success. But this is where, again, I've said it multiple times in many videos, and in many podcasts, we have to change our mindset because the way that we're doing leadership right now may not be the best way. And I'm not saying it's your fault because you may not have been trained. And that's what I want to help you with. 70 or 19%, I'm going to throw this one last stat at you, 19% of companies do not have the proper leadership development. So 
what I'm hoping you'll take from that is that if you are lacking in leadership, that you reach out to somebody, reach out to me if you want. I'm not saying you have to. This is, I mean, this is free. I'm just giving you the information. Reach out to somebody that you trust, that you know, that you, you see being successful. That's the best way you can put it. Whenever you see somebody be successful, that's the best one to go to and say, how are you doing that? I want to do what you're doing. It's not like you got to reinvent the wheel. But if, if the number like that is so low, there's a lot of work that we got to do to develop our leadership, ourselves included. So I want to thank everybody for attending and listening to this podcast. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, please feel free to leave a comment. If not, you're welcome to send me an email at scottdeconing3 at gmail.com, and I will respond to you as soon as I can. I will also put that email in the description and in the show notes. I will put the link for the website that I found all those stats on. I'll put those in the description as well so that you have the ability to, to read it yourself and, and kind of get a better understanding if you're a visual person as to what the numbers are saying. And it gives a little bit more detail about what the study was uh, as much as this is my opinion, my experience is following the research. So feel free to reach out to me. You can even, uh, you can even find me on places like Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm all over those. Um, I actually have a Facebook page. If you want to reach out to me there, all Scott Deconing. Um, my Instagram is Deconing Scott because somebody took Scott Deconing apparently. So if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, it's, it's Deconing Scott. Feel free to reach out to me there. Send me a PM and uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you very much for being part of this. I hope you got a lot from it. I will see you on next week's episode and uh, have a good week leading.